The Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 4, wherein Jason rants a lot. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my morning commute. In this episode, I get a bit ranty, carrying a bit over from last week's episode. It's a, um, it's a talk about a personal pet peeve of mine, the way people describe the computer graphics industry if it's a single as if it's a single beast that some software like some open source tools perhaps aren't capable of producing uh, high quality work in a reasonable amount of time and i think i do a relatively decent job of refuting that notion but eh, maybe i just spent the whole time ranting and that could be entertaining too at the very least Maybe it drums up a bit of conversation amongst you, my my, my happy handful of listeners. Uh, speaking of conversation, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the whole topic, actually. This topic or any of the other podcasts or anything new, for that matter. You can make a comment on the podcast section of my website, monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. Or you can track me, Jason Van Gumster, down on whatever your favorite social media site is. Just uh, you can look at my name or Monster Java Guns, and tell me what you think there. All right, enough of this gross self-promotion. Here's the episode. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? But the. Hi there! Welcome to the Open Source Creative Podcast. Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. Yeah, let me get right on into it. So, as I record this, today is the 24th of September. It is the day after the last day of the 30-day modeling challenge. There were It started with, I think close to 20 people and finished with about half that so congratulations to everybody who finished and stuck with it and congratulations to the people who started and tried to stick with it but were unable to uh to to finish it yeah what else do we have here oh you hear that you hear that that's me shifting gears and not having a squeaky clutch (laughs) yeah yeah i finally got around to getting a can of wd-40 and spraying my, my, it's not my clutch, it's the clutch pedal, and so now that I've fixed that, you will have squeak, squeak free podcasts henceforth. I know everybody's very happy to hear about that. Uh, now let's, let's talk about some new stuff. A lot of the news I have today is kind of mostly Blender centric, so I'll hit all that last. Let's do the non-Blender things. Let's see here. Um, well, as far as I can tell, there's, there's only one non-blender thing <laughs> that is that the that GIMP magazine is uh, now accepting submissions so if you have tutorials or articles or something that, that are related to GIMP and you want them to go on GIMP magazine you can get that added there I'll get the URL and everything for that in the show notes I think it's GIMPmagazine.org but if it's not then I'm going to cut that out and edit it so you can't hear me say it wrong 
Um, and there's a, one other GIMP related thing. I, I stumbled across it. It's not not necessarily news, but it's a really it's kind of a cool technique. If you go, um, there's a woodcut technique that uses the GMIC GIMP plugin, uh, as well as a couple other sort of standard GIMP filters and, and process behaviors that are are pretty cool. It gets a, a sort of a woodcut head cut kind of look. But uh, Pat David has that on, as a tutorial on, on his page, and it's, it's a very extensive tutorial. So you'll spend some time working your way through it. But it's a it's a very it's very well written, and it's a really it's a pretty cool technique. So it's worth taking a look at. Uh, actually, it reminds me a bit of what you can do with another program called Zebra Trace. Zebra Trace is uh, specifically for doing a, a visual effect that. They call it, it's the, the developer of Zebra Trace calls it a guillage effect. Technically, he's correct, but it's 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 closer to what uh, an engraver would call ra a rasterization technique, which is basically the effect of taking a, a image input, grayscale of course, and running a pattern of, of line work over that. And then on the darker parts of the image, the lines are thicker, and then the lighter parts of the image, the lines are thinner. So you get this kind of, it's a black and white image, and you get this cool effect. It's it's kind of like Pat David's tutorial. The difference is that Zebra Chase will output SVGs, which is kind of nice if you need, uh, if you need vector output. Now, bear in mind that if you go too crazy, these SVGs can be very large and Inkscape I won't say Inkscape will choke on them, but you better have a pretty hefty processor to handle them is all I'm going to say. Okay, so other news, other news, other news, other news. If you go to code.blender.org, there's a really good, that's the Blender developer blog, there's a really good article there by Sci-Fi. developer's name, I think it says Anthony, I'm going to murder your name, I'm so sorry. If I could read it in front of me, I'd be able to pronounce it properly, but I, I'm... Reading and driving is probably not the wisest of the things. So, but there's he's got a really good article on the state of the Blender 3D viewport and the steps and measures that are necessary to upgrade it and modernize it so that it has you know it's it's more performant. It behaves more responsively and snappily and all the fun things that we really wanted to. So go ahead and take a read of that. It's, it's a little technical, but it's it's worth having a read if you're interested in, in seeing where the development of Blender is going to be going. Speaking of the development of Blender, the release candidate for Blender 2.72 is, I think the release candidate is out already or will be out by the time this podcast posts. So if you're, if you're a Blender user, if you're a 3D software person, Go ahead and go download the release candidate, test it out, and if you find a bug, report it! Please report your bugs. They can't do anything if you don't make the report. That's the whole reason for a release candidate. So, do that. Go there. Be awesome. In the same vein as the GIMP magazine uh, submission, call for submissions, Blender Art Magazine. Now, this is this isn't exactly news, but it's worth mentioning because the deadline for it is coming up at the beginning of October. Uh, the Blender Art Magazine is got their call for content, and I believe their the call for content for their episode for that episode for Volume Forty Six relates to fan art. So it should be a really fun thing. So if you're doing any sort of fan art with Blender, write up an article, 
make some art and uh, send it up to the good folks over there at, at Blender Art Magazine. They, uh, they do good work, so it's worth providing them with content and, of course, reading it once it's, once it's out. Oh, and uh, I guess I guess I'll, I'll do a, head, a hat tip towards this one. Andrew Price did a recent podcast on his podcast. Recently talked about what he was referring to as the the blender disease, what some folks will call featureitis. <laughs> I, I, I'll say that the, the the title of the podcast is is painfully clickbaity, and that it just it hurts to read the title of it. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that. But he does bring up a couple of cool points that are that are worth going on. And the biggest thing, though, the biggest takeaway on that is uh, the notion of the Blender Development Fund. Because what it comes down to is volunteer developers only work on fun things. You're, it's very rare to find a volunteer developer that's going to do bug fixes exclusively or a patch review exclusively or minor improvements that you know volunteers are going to work on the things that interest them the most and it's usually not those painful or documentation oh developers and documentation but so that's why we have paid developers because they can handle the monotonous and boring and tedious and slightly less exciting parts of development at least that's the original goal that's the, that's the plan there so that's why it's worth supporting the blender development fund but yeah it's it's podcast this podcast is, is worth a listen to on that one just ignore the title because the the title's painful it just hurts I, I actually I'm gonna go on a little rant on that because because web marketing titles and 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 those things have just hit a stupendous level of I, I don't even know. It's not even. It's it's it's. There, when somebody makes a title for something, you can tell that they've they've. For or let, me, let me rephrase this. For for some, for the titles of some, uh, blog posts, news articles, podcasts, you can almost taste the you know the same school of of web marketing that that's you know percolated throughout because it's it's they're not even trying anymore and i'm sorry andrew if you, if you do happen to listen to this or someone tells you about this podcast but you're not even trying anymore you know at least you know some level of of cleverness in the in the time i know i mean i understand search engine optimization blah 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 blah, blah. but really i mean the, the headlines for, for these things have gotten, subject lines, headlines, whatever you want to call them, they've gotten to the point where my, I think my eyes roll hard enough that I do a backflip, hyperbole, of course, because it's, it's, it's a level of faux drama, faux melodrama, I just, it's, it's, I don't want to get on the internet and be slapped in the face by used car salesmen everywhere I go on the web. I just don't. I, I actually have an explicit sort of policy on any social media that if if you're if you're sharing a post that has a number as one of the first three characters in it, like I don't know, thirteen ways to annoy the entire internet. Any, anything in that structure, I'm not going to click it. 
like I want you. I don't care how interesting it might be. I'm not clicking it because the title's clickbait and it bothers me. Same thing as as, as anything where where the post title ends with shocked or amazed or astounded or you will be blah blah blah. Don't tell me what I'm gonna be. Just say here's a funny damn picture. Or you know, hey, this is interesting. Or you know, maybe actually say what the topic is. There's a uh, oh, I guess. There's a, there's a, I'll put this in there. There's a, there's an excellent, uh, uh, Twitter account that helps to get around this. Saved you a click or saved a click. I'll find out. I'll know for sure, but I'll put it in the show notes. But that basically what, what that Twitter account does is it will retweet or post the head, whatever sort of clickbait ass headline is, is being posted. And then, you know, skip to the end and give you the punchline. And usually it's two or three words. And if I want to read more and get detailed, yeah, I'll click on the article, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I don't have to because now I know the answer. And that's the point. Don't give me freaking clickbait. It bothers me. I will not click your stuff. Yes, I know that, that I contradicted myself because I did actually listen to Andrew's podcast. But I was going to listen to the podcast anyway. The, title I just read when reading it when 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 it was posted just <sighs> it made me almost not want to listen to the podcast let's put it that way so but then again I guess I'm not the typical internet user anybody so take that for what you will but all right so that's my news that's the news I got all sorts of blender related news specifically but, and which is is sort of in the same vein because the topic I want to talk about today is something that I started ranting about in the last podcast, in the last episode, and and I, I, I had a hard time not really going into it. I probably said the whole mess of it, but whatever. I'm going to repeat it, and if it only takes me a few seconds to repeat it, then this will be a very short podcast, but I have a feeling I'm going to ramble on and on about this. So, what am I talking about? And that's the the nature and notion of the computer graphics industry. So when somebody said, and this is going to definitely be a repeat from, from, from last episode, but whatever. When somebody says the computer graphics industry, chances are good. Chances are good. When they say that, they mean the film industry, the television industry, or the video game industry. And there might be more nuance than that. They might get into like animated film and television and or animated television or uh, and, then, and then video games. But suffice it to say, that's typically what people think when they say the industry. The industry uses this. The industry uses that. Well, no! The industry can't. I mean, the industry is way, way bigger than film and television and video games. And when I say industry at this point, I'm talking the the, the uses and places for computer graphics has found its way into nearly every other industry. It's it's you know you it's. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to do this without just trailing off a litany of of 
businesses and, and occupations that involve computer graphics that are not film and television because that doesn't just me rambling off a list of shit doesn't seem like a particularly interesting podcast to listen to but let me start there and maybe I can find a way to ramble into something more interesting <laughs> so yeah I mean look you've got alright so outside of, of those three industries which are gigantic monumental beasts and on the sales computer graphics that use different ways within each of them. I mean, if you have, like, a animator is going to be using different software or different techniques than a visual effects artist, than, and then a motion graphics artist, than a uh, 2D television animator. I mean, you're just... Even that world, you can't... You can't say... And usually this 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 is where this comes up. Somebody's talking about software, and usually this is where, and then somebody's talking about a, a, a soft, general software. We'll say 3D software for the time being, right? Someone's talking about that, and say, oh, well, what should I use? Well, the industry uses, and you know, then you enter in Maya, Photoshop, Houdini, 3D Studio Max, Cinema 4D, and and the funny thing is that it's it's usually biased by whatever industry that particular person is in. So, so a visual effects person will say, well, the industry uses Houdini. Or a, a, a 3D animation person in games will say, well, the industry uses Maya. Or Max, depending on, on if that's a PC shop or not. If you're a professional photographer, industry uses Photoshop. I mean, Photoshop's probably the only one that's absolutely pervasive through everything. But even then, there's there's... There's a number of other packages that do do specific tasks better than Photoshop. So I mean, it's not even that 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 doesn't even know. <laughs> so that's that's where it comes up in conversation. And usually, what happens is somebody is rattling off software suggestions, and then somebody maybe I'll raise my hand here a little bit. Somebody will say, "Well, why don't you try this open source package or free software package? Why don't you try Krita or GIMP or MyPaint or Blender?" or Inkscape and it's usually the re when it's done right I mean, granted there are z- zealotous zealotous that's not a word yes I'll say there are zealots zealot type evangelists that are are sort of all free software all the time it's never the wrong solution kind of thing but when done right, typically it's going to be one of those things like, oh, well, you're interested in vector graphics. Well, why don't you try out Inkscape and then work with it? And if you like it, try you can try out other software as well. But at least you have the lowest barrier of entry with free software. And in my personal opinion, though some of the tools are, are in performance is, is not where I would like it. But I, I actually like the interface of Inkscape, for instance. You know, I... I I'm much more happy and comfortable working in Inkscape than I am in Illustrator, than I ever have been in Illustrator. And I've used Illustrator over and over, and it just—it's not comfortable for me. And so it's that's—and that's the other thing. It's a—it's a comfort level thing. But I'm now I'm digressing into an, another another topic. But so usually that's where this conversation comes up. The conversation comes up when somebody says, makes a suggestion about a software, and they makes it say an open source suggestion and then the response is well the industry doesn't use it and again the person saying that is usually biased by whatever 
facet of whatever business they're involved with, right? They, they're, they're, you know, if they'll, they'll generalize across the entire span of businesses and companies and professionals who do and use computer graphics and say, nobody uses anything but this, which even saying that is ludicrous because otherwise, if that were true, then there wouldn't be a market for even the proprietary software, right? I mean, there are there are obviously software in different industries that dominate, and I went through a list of them. Some of them are, are just more regularly used, and I'm not going to go into the reasons for that at, the, at this point. But to, to generalize all of the different places that computer graphics get used as as one single monolithic industry is is a gross mistake and i mean and yeah here's here's where my list is going to go so you've got scientific visualization architectural visualization industrial design uh shit banknote design haha <laughs> you've got product visualization, you've got catalog layout design, book layout, print design, all, all the various facets of print design, commercial print design things, everything from, from books to billboards to brochures to you know multi-page catalogs to comics to, you know, just to say that there's any one the industry when it comes to computer graphics is grossly myopic and it's a mistake and I, I would dare say it's it's evidence that you don't know what's going on if you if you if you think that there is if there is a singular industry for for computer graphics and that there's you know one or five sort of always best tools for any given job uh, you're you're just wrong. And part of the reason why, you know, I mean, at one point in time, yeah, the, 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 the computer, gra- there was a, a more sort of singular computer graphics kind of industry that you could kind of wrap your arms around and say, well, this, this is, this is what it is. But it, it's, it's gotten, it's much, much, much farther beyond that. And I think a big part of that actually has been because of open source, free and open source software. Because these tools are now accessible to everybody and have been for, for ages. And because these tools have been, that, that level of access has been there, you have a lot of people who wouldn't normally have a need or have access to these tools using them to, to make their work or make their business do things better or at least things prettier because we're talking we're talking visual art stuff here I mean yeah this has to be couched a little bit with with the fact that yeah there are some there's some hideous things that are done that with for instance GIMP and Krita that you might as well have used MS paint and and called it a day because there's no backgrounds of art training I'll say or art experience either you don't necessarily need to have training but an understanding of composition form shape you know the, the basic elements of design the, there there is work that's out there where people don't have that but usually what happens is someone gets their hands on the tool they get their hands on 
GIMP or Blender or Krita or, you know, I'm not, I keep, Inkscape, I keep running through the litany, but they, they get their hands on, on whatever software packages is going to, whatever tool is going to suffice whatever need they're looking for, get whatever job they need at hand done. And if they're interested in it, if they, if, if it sort of tickles that nerve for them, then, then they'll, they'll, they'll look for greater knowledge and more information about structure and composition and, and, and the elements of design and even sort of rawer skills like just drawing from life and stuff like that so yeah I, I think I think that and I mean yeah you'll you'll have computer graphics professionals oh that's another term that I have a big issue with professional that's not professional <sighs> professional means you make money doing it that doesn't make it special. That doesn't make it better. It means somebody paid you to do it. And either they paid you to do it because you have convinced them that you, your work is of sufficient quality that they're willing to pay for it. And sufficient basically means better than they can do in the time that they have available. Right? Yes, people who do work in a field professionally for a prolonged, prolonged amount of time they do typically produce higher quality work. But the term professional doesn't inherently mean better. But that's, a, <laughs> I'm getting myself on all sorts of fun rants today. That's, that's another topic. But what I was getting at is that, that your, your, your computer graphics professional might take issue with the fact that, that I've, I'm defining the computer graphics industry as broadly as I am because these, you know, the the argument being that some uh, personal assistant or or secretary or uh, or or whatever who opens up GIMP to do a quick edit on a photograph or clip art that they're going to put into a PowerPoint presentation. That, that they're not they're not a computer graphics professional which that argument is there's there's some validity in that because it's you know that's not that's that that behavior is not necessarily in that person's job description but that job expands and becomes a position and becomes one person in a company and that one person becomes the graphics person and that person becomes responsible for logos for PowerPoint presentations for uh, graphics and illustrations that go in these presentations for documentation for doing basic layout on on sales brochures and sales copy and this happens not just in small companies but it happens in larger companies too it's just that person that that exhibits that interest in playing with that piece of software to do whatever oftentimes that grows into their job and guess what you were a personal assistant once now you're the graphics person done <laughs> and now you're part of the industry as far as I'm concerned and yeah I, I just I think that that that's my that's that's sort of the crux of my of my rant there is that don't and I I, I, I don't want to I don't necessarily want to say don't do something but don't freaking do it <laughs> don't find yourself being dragged into the path of say talking about computer graphics as a single 
monolithic in industry. Be specific when you talk about things. If you want to say the visual effects industry does will use Nuke for compositing more often than not because that just happens to be the market leader at the, uh, currently, right? Or or that the, the visual effects industry is, is, is I'm gonna keep on visual effects at this point, visual effects industry is gonna use Houdini for a lot of effects. You can speak with specificity about it because to talk about, to talk, it's just way, way too broad of a, of a use case, user base, set of scenarios for, for computer graphics now. You, you can't, you can't generalize like that. So when, when someone says, so when somebody says, and this is sort of my, my, my challenge out there, when someone comes, someone comes to you, because apparently <laughs> people just randomly walk up to people and start talking about this shit. Uh, <laughs> It's a horrible hypothetical question, but we'll, we'll say they're doing this virtually, right? I mean, you, you see it in forums, you see it on social media, blah, 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 blah. When somebody steps up and says that the industry does X, Y, or Z, or uses X, Y, or Z, or doesn't use blah, 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 ask them which industry to ask them to be specific. You know, if it's, if it's implicit, I mean, don't be an asshole about it. If... If it's implicit in the conversation, and the whole conversation is based on the 3D animation industry, then then yeah, you can you can uh, sort of be smart about it. You don't have to bring it bring it up and be a douchebag about it. But you know, if if, if somebody's being that level of uh, general, then then ask for being more specific because chances are good. They're 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 speaking with a bias based on their own experiences, and and not thinking about the greater use for things. And this is specific as well to this. This is particularly relevant to Blender because it is used in so many different places and ways. It's a it's an artist tool for three D, but it it gets used not just in TV and film and video games but it gets used in in again I I, I don't want to go through the list through, through, through the list of places where where it but I mean Blender has the visual sequence editor Blender has a node-based compositor Blender has 3D modeling and animation and and all these things which make it really good for small shops or individuals to get something done and they don't have to work in a pipeline and, and so what happens is blender gets used in a lot of places where you wouldn't expect it to get used just because it's a it's a it's a small tool that's highly capable that does what it needs that, that does whatever that person needs to get done uh, you know if, if you if you need a certain 3d thing that, that that blender can provide you might not need the the, the industry top best whatever for that now and, and it's it's actually humorous because this actually got the got broached a bit in andrew's podcast because the 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 laughable thing you know people people will compare blender to real flow or to zbrush or to uh i'm trying to think of a couple other ones off the top of my head that that people will will uh fume effects right they'll, they'll talk about Blender's fluid simulator in comparison to real flow. They'll talk about Blender's uh, sculpting capabilities in comparison to ZBrush. 
is ZBrush. They talk about Blender's 3D painting capabilities in comparison to body paint and even Photoshop. And while it's true that Blender is, generally speaking, not to the level of those applications, and it's it's not really a fair comparison to compare the two. It's very it's 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 incredibly interesting. And I would think a compliment to Blender that it's being that this general purpose application, this general purpose program, this jack of all trades, master of none, is being compared to these specialist applications. Blender's being compared to sculpting to, to ZBrush and Mudbox, which only sculpt, right? They're only modelers and sculptors. Blender's fluid simulator is compared to RealFlow. RealFlow just does fluid simulation. Blender does a lot more than fluid simulation. Blender's compositing capabilities being compared to, to After Effects and Nuke. And I mean, if your job is compositing, then chances are good, yeah, you're going to want to use After Effects and Nuke. If that's, if that's the, the, the totality of your job in a larger pipeline, then yeah, you'll probably want to use an application that's specific to that task because you won't even need the other features that are, that are in Blender, right? But if your job encompasses more than that, if your job needs to do... I mean, I'm going to go with motion tracking. Blender's got a really great motion tracker. And uh, I, I would actually say on, on par with some of the commercial offerings as well. I'm a little biased. I know. But it, but it, it's... it. The point is that it does high-quality work. And the the notion that Blender's being compared to these, these specialist applications is... is in my opinion, a compliment to Blender. No, Blender doesn't have all of the skills or the directed workflow for those particular tasks those programs do because it can't afford to. You can't, you can't easily structure Blender to have a 100% sculpting-friendly workflow without negatively impacting one of the other things that Blender does. That's that... There, there are inherent trade-offs there. Now, that's not to say you couldn't hack on Blender a little bit, do some Python for the UI, maybe get as deep as the C, but I'm, I'm reasonably sure you can do most of this in Python, and really, really massage Blender's interface to be a, a sculpting-only application. You could do that, but then you would do that and you basically have to say, this is my this is my sculpt version of Blender, right? And that would be my preset. And you would have to do that completely disregarding all the other features that are built into Blender. So, I mean, that's, that's possible, but I think that would be something that would have to come from the community. Because Blender, I mean, you can't, I, I wouldn't recommend requesting something like that from the, the Blender Institute, the, the Blender Foundation or one of the core developers of Blender, because because Blender is meant to be able to do all of these things and you should be able to seamlessly switch from modeling to UV unwrap to rigging to animating to rendering without changing presets or, or, or essentially changing applications. That's, that's the purpose of Blender. And it's, it's uniquely suited for 
small shops, small tasks where one person has to put on multiple hats. That's that's what it's there for. And if it it does no no, its fluid simulator is isn't even near what you can do with RealFlow. RealFlow does so many crazy other things, and from a workflow standpoint, you can probably get to some of them faster. But if all you need is a the type of the type of effects that that Blender's fluid simulator can do, then 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 it's the right tool for the job, right? You don't need to spend all of your money on on real. You don't need to spend all of your money on real flow, and then what other whatever other applications you need to use to render and composite that into a finished image when you can you know get all that with with Blender and just and it's good enough for your needs, and and I think that. That's, I guess, where where a lot of my sort of contention and ire, ire, yes, ire, ire. Sorry, that's where 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 it rankles me a little bit because there's this there's a T-shirt that I that I used to see all the time when I was in high school, which which made the 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 bold assertion that second place is the first loser, and. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking, if you're talking sports, if you're talking competitive endeavors, then yeah, there's there's some validity to that. But, 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 when it comes to free and open source software, that's absolutely bullshit. Because sometimes good enough is good enough. And to be completely frank, if we're talking about the the array of open source tools that are out there and and i'm trying really hard not to list them again because i know i've listed them a couple times throughout this this episode blender gib crit of my paint inkscape scribus ah, i couldn't stop myself <laughs> but if you look at those tools they're not bad they may not be as good as i want them to be they may not be as good as someone else wants them to be but just because something isn't best in show or most used in the market or number we'll just go with the generic number one just because it's it's not that doesn't mean it's a bad tool and and this all or nothing mindset is freaking stupid the and I'm not even getting it. I mean, I'm talking just freaking features here, right? Workflow, workflow as well, because I just, I mean, I said it earlier, I'm more comfortable using Inkscape than Illustrator. Uh, Inkscape doesn't necessarily have all the features that, it, that, that Illustrator does, but I like the workflow of it better. I can commit some form of running mean blasphemy here but I like the blender workflow I like the way blender works I it feels comfortable comfortable to me there haven't been many other 3d software packages that I feel at, I could use them I've used them I, I'm, I'm I've done work in many of them and there aren't many save like say soft homage rest in peace <laughs> There, there aren't many that I'm, I'm as comfortable working in as Blender. Blender. Blender has a way that just 
meshes with my brain the way the way the way it works and some of that's learned over experience and some of it just makes sense to me and I feel comfortable with it and so there's there's a level of features that are of the quality that are sufficient for whatever job you have at hand because if if you know I'm going to bring this back up but if you're if you're making flyers for a garage sale you you're not going to need Houdini and if you use Houdini nobody's going to fucking notice and also it's probably the wrong tool for the job but <laughs> but you know if 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 you're if you're doing little one offs like that it's it's sometimes good enough is good enough and sometimes the features the whatever limited feature set of the tool at hand is is exactly what you need and you don't need more than that you know i can't tell you how many people have these giant beastly gamer computers that they use for checking their email and going on the internet right that's a computer put to waste that is so much horsepower that's never going to get used to its full potential and so slightly digressing into another topic, but I think that's sad. Those poor, poor underutilized computers. I could be doing so much stuff with your heavy computer that you never use. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're using, if you're, if you have a computer for with, with what, 32 gigs of RAM and the fastest video card and the meanest, fastest processor out there, and you're all you're doing is Word documents and email and YouTube. Watching YouTube, not creating videos for YouTube, but actually just, just watching YouTube. Your computer's going to waste, and I I weep for your computer. It's it's a it's an Olympic sprinter that only gets to walk around in nighttime slippers. That's sad. So yeah, this has been a very ranty episode for me, but I'll give you the TLDR version of it. One, computer graphics industry is way bigger than film, television, and video games. So when someone talks about that, ask them to be more specific. And two, free software is good. It does good stuff. It's the free software solutions that are out there are more than adequate and are of, I'm not even going to say, uh, let me back up. I'm not even going to say they're of sufficient quality. I'm not going to they, they do, they are good quality programs that you can use to produce high quality professional work, right? You can do high quality work that people will pay you to do. Or they won't pay you to do it, and you're just doing it for fun. That's that's cool too. But the the point of the matter is that a lot of the people who are who, who are I'm going back. To, a lot of people who are, who are going who are bringing this up are, are talking about using software. They want to make a living doing computer graphics, and that's where this conversation comes up a lot too. Is that you're talking about somebody who wants to make a living in computer graphics, and so oftentimes you'll get open source zealots that are saying use open source only use open source it's the best ever and they're wrong and you also have 
Um, I'm going to call them commercial software zealots or proprietary software zealots, but they're not really zealots. They're just closed-minded, I guess. That they're like, well, the industry uses this, so you need to use this, and that's all there is to it. And they're wrong. Open source tools are a great gateway to understanding the tools, and if you're comfortable using them, they're a great way to be a professional and make money with your work in those tools. At the end of the day, unless you're working in a pipeline, if you're working as part of somebody, uh, some, uh, as, a, as a bigger shop's process, right? At the end of the day, if you're dealing directly with customers or clients, all they care about is that pretty picture, that pretty animation, that pretty video when you're done. They don't care what you used to make it. And if it looks good, and I'll also say this, when it looks good by their standards. So it, this is where, I, this again goes to where I have problems with the word professional because, <laughs> because professional only means that's again, only means that somebody somewhere paid you to do it. So, and that your, your work is, is to, to their standards, not, not the standards of other people who do the same sort of work, right? Other people that would see the same, so would do the same sort of work don't have to be impressed by your work for you to be a professional in that, for someone to get, for someone to pay you to do it. You do it enough, of course, and you'll get to the point where, and when I say enough, I mean, thousands and thousands of pieces of work but you do it enough and you do get yourself to creating work of a quality that's admirable by other people who do the same sort of work you do that's 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 part of the process but you don't have to be the best in your field you don't have to be the 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 top 1000th in your field to get paid and make a living doing computer graphics and if you do that with open source tools, sweet, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. So that's, my, that's my, my thing for this week. It's just a giant stinky-ass rant that uh, I tried to avoid going into last week and kind of failed, and then I spent this entire week talking about it. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to quit there and because uh, I just showed up to work. I'll talk to you guys later. Hello. You know, uh, you know that thing's liable to go off. Yeah, it could. Yeah, sweetheart.